Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are recording remotely. Uh, we're currently under a uh, social distancing order or uh, recommendation. And so we are not meeting together right now. We are distancing ourselves. And so this podcast is being recorded over Zoom. Yeah. We're in a Zoom we can see meeting. each other. We can see each other, but we are not in the same room. We are distancing ourselves. And, uh, and so you may notice the sound difference, but that doesn't change the content uh, as we would normally have. Hopefully what you've been enjoying is good content. We're going to continue that trend today with I think a really relevant topic currently, and that would be how do you continue to grow as a leader while you're stuck at home? How yes. can you continue to grow as a leader while you're potentially right now, maybe, maybe not, you're in your own house, you're sitting in your living room or your office, your home office, or whatever you're set up, maybe you're in your kitchen, I don't know. And you're trying to determine how can I continue to learn and grow and so one of the things that I have observed about you as a leader is you spend a lot of time reading. And so we put these pieces together and started to think about what would be a great way to help people continue to learn and grow. And so uh, yeah. go ahead and, and launch and give us some insights into that. Well, here's here. Okay. So here's, what's going to happen this season of social distancing, staying at home. Some, some are sheltering in place. Uh, everybody's going to get through this and eventually it's going to be over. So let me just encourage you. Some of you are thinking, man, we've been in this a while. Is this ever going to be over? Uh, it is, it's going to be over. It's a season like life. Things are seasons. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about that. There's a season for this and a season for that. So we're in a season. Here's the reality. Everyone's going to get out of this in different places than they started. Some people are going to go through this season of time. I don't know how long it's going to be, but some people are going to get through and learn a foreign language. Some people are going to get a degree through this season. Some people are going to learn a new hobby through this season. Some people are going to develop a new skill through this season. Other people are going to binge watch Netflix. <laughs> That's right. That is, that is one way. That is one way people are. I mean, let's be work. honest. Some right now are getting convicted because you're like, man, I've already been in this for a couple of weeks and I have caught up on every season of uh, every episode of Lost. Yeah. Uh, I have watched The Office again. Uh, I have gone through Parks and Rec. I mean, I've gotten through a lot of things, but others are going to read books. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how you can maximize this season of time and be a better student of the word, be a better student of of uh, scripture, be a better disciple maker, and all around be a better f Christian uh, in, in, as far as a Christian following the Lord and growing in maturity. So that's yeah. what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, the Bible talks about how easy it is for us to be always learning, but never arriving at the knowledge of the truth. Hmm. And one of the things I want you guys to remember is we're not trying to get people to learn information. Okay, remember, we talked about that before. The goal is not just to read to learn information. The goal to reading is what? Do you remember, Chris? The goal is not just 
information, it's transformation. Oh, yes, but even more than that, it's oh. intimacy. No, that's good, though. <laughs> oh, that's man. good, though. But it's intimacy. I thought I had that one. No, that no, was good. Transformation, <laughs> transformation is good. That. But it is transformation. But we're not just learning to fill our minds. Actually, I would say it this way. Here's a way to think of it. We have been uh, convinced in the Western culture we live in that the goal is to learn information. We, we're going we're gonna to inform ourselves to be more like, to understand more about Christ and more about the things of God. But I would say this. The goal is conformity, not to yeah. inform, but to conform. See the difference? Yeah. Inform is I fill the mind and whether I look like Christ or not, that means nothing. But conform means I'm going to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so I'm growing and learning. So let's just talk about reading books and yeah. growing because some of you can take advantage of this time. And I want to challenge you, set a goal to read two books a week for the next few weeks. Wow. Now, two books a week may sound like there are some people out there I, and I've talked to them recently even who, I, who have said, I've never read a book, <laughs> which really oh, I'm not shocking. Um, and then there are those who, you know, they listen to books, kind of an audio version, which is very similar to reading. Maybe you are working and you're able to have, you know, your mind be able to take in information while you're doing something else. I struggle with that. I can, I can either read or listen to a book or do something else. I can't do both the same. I can listen to a podcast and do other things, but I, for some reason I cannot listen to an audio book, but there are those who love to read, listen to audio books there are those who love to read. What are some, uh, you know, tactics or strategies for reading? Because I read a lot of books myself, but I think people would be surprised at how I how I am defining reading a book. Yeah, uh, let's just let's just get uh, Mr. Jonathan Simon, who's our fact checker today. Jonathan, look up the statistic, and I, I don't know offhand, so I want to make sure we get it right. Look up the statistic of how many people, uh, how many people read books after they graduate from high school read an entire book after they graduate from high school. I think the statistic I remember from men, it's something like 70% of men don't wow. read an entire book after they get out of high school. Okay. Well, that tells you what uh, school is doing to our, our kids. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What'd you learn from school? Never read a book again <laughs> in my life. Okay. So why is reading important? Because we realize that uh, readers are leaders. This is something I teach my kids all the time. And I would suggest to you and, and just challenge you, if you're not growing and learning and reading, then you're not maturing and developing as a person as you should be, right? Whether you're a pastor, whether you're uh, a ministry leader, whether you're a disciple maker, whether you're a follower of God, we all should be growing. To be a disciple, why this, Chris? The word disciple mm -hmm. is the word learner. Did you know that? I did because you've you you've shared that before. Disciple yeah. is the word. Yes, learner. the word learner, and it's actually where we get the English word mathematics. Mathetes okay. in in Greek, mathetes, yeah. disciple, is where we get the word mathematics. Mm. It's also where we get the idea of a student. Okay, so here's the question: Can you be a follower of God and not be a disciple? Hmm. I'm going to say, I'm just going to venture to say no. No, I don't think you can either. I don't think you can. Look at you. You, reco you recovered quickly. I like that. You can't be a Thank follower you. of God and not be a disciple. Now, you can be a poor disciple. Yeah. You could be a lazy disciple. 
True. Uh, you can be a disconnected disciple, but to be a Christian is to be a disciple. Remember, Jesus never called Christians in the New Testament. In fact, you only you won't even find the word Christian in the Gospels. Hmm. But you will find the word disciple 269 times in the New Testament, 238 times in the Gospels. Hmm. Okay, so how do we read books? Why do I read books? I read books because it keeps me sharper. It gives me uh, information to grow. It keeps my mind uh, uh, at, at a level where it's always, uh, responding and able to, uh, think creatively and strategically. Right. Sadly, some of you, if you're a preacher, listen to me, some of you have never read a preaching book after seminary. Mm. Well, and I was thinking of this question the other day and it, it goes right along with this topic. And the, the question I was thinking uh, of asking church leaders specifically is what have you learned in the last month mm. about your faith, about Jesus, about any other topic? What have you learned? Because here's what I think happens, and it happens to me. I get to a point where I attain a certain level of knowledge of how to accomplish something or how to fulfill a role or how to do something, and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I figured it out, and now why should I continue to struggle through this? But what you're talking about right now I think is so important. As learners and as leaders, we have to continue to grow. And just because we've learned something and maybe even do it in a really excellent way, just to your point about preachers who maybe haven't read a preaching book since seminary, you have to be developing and growing and not just relying on the fact that, hey, I figured it out and now I'm just going to respond to it over and over again the same way and never learn and never grow. Yeah, so let's take out the Sunday morning sermon. Okay, let's take out the preparation. If you're a preacher teacher, let's take out all of that time. What are you learning outside of that? Okay, mm-hmm. it would be the equivalent of this, like because you're thinking, ah, that's not a big deal. Let me let me bring it close to home. Uh, the goal of parenting, okay, is to teach and train your kids in such a way that they can leave the home and take care of themselves. Yeah. What that means is they can hold down a job. They will ultimately have a family. They can replicate what they learned from you. But the most important thing you're teaching your kids as, as a parent hmm. is how to feed themselves. Yeah. You will have failed as a parent if you haven't taught your son how to fix his own meals, right? If you're still heating up the water and making ramen noodles for your kids, and hopefully you're not doing that all the time, <laughs> But that's what we're doing lately at the gallery. <laughs> we, we, we have bought, you got to be ready just in case, you know. So we have bought two cases of shrimp flavored ramen. As long as you're not trying to sell the listeners a case of special ramen noodle, I'm happy to. No, no, no. I'm that. not selling them. I'm, I'm, I'm saving them. I'm saving ramen noodle because those well, things, they last 10 years, you know. So. Let's talk more about ramen noodles right after this brief break. Over the last few decades, American churches have produced plenty of converts, but not as many mature believers. Studies show the majority of Christians don't even understand the basics of faith. But how do you tackle such a big problem? Robbie and I just worked on a book called Replicate. It will be out in June, June 4th, and we are excited about what this book is going to mean for church leaders and laity everywhere as they learn to be disciples who make disciples. You can check it out at replicatebook.com and pre-order now. And we're back. We're talking about how to help your children make ramen noodles. 
Uh, that's not the topic today. That's not the topic, but it's a great point. Because ramen are, and reading. Ramen and reading. Ramen and, <laughs> there are a lot of parents who probably have kids still at home who might not be doing uh, the things that an adult should do yet. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it's because, you know, it's a, it's a point you're making. How do we develop and learn and grow and, uh, and learn and help our kids live their lives and be successful? But then think about how that works in our own life. How do we continue to grow, continue to, to learn and to continue to invest in what we know God wants to, we, we don't just want to stay in the same place. We don't want to get in a rut. Nobody wants to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, it's one thing for your kids not to be able to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. It's another thing for you not to be able to feed mm-hmm. yourself. That's what I'm getting at here. You see, there are some of you, let's, let's be honest. If you take out the times at your church, if you take out the sermons you hear in person, uh, you're really you're really at a disadvantage. So that's what's really cool about this time we're in. We need to help people become self-feeders. That's what you're doing as a disciple maker. You're helping people become self-feeders. And so uh, we'll start recording some, some podcasts over the next few weeks. I've got some other ideas on how to help your people and yourself stay fresh, focused, and relevant during this difficult time. So let's talk about reading books. Okay. How did I learn how to read books uh, the way I do? And and how am I able to read so many books like I have before? You said a book a week or two books a week. Okay. I have set a goal for myself of two books a week for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying you can do that Mm -hmm. in this time where you have a little bit more time, maybe at home and you don't have to be up sometimes as early or stay up as late because you can either watch Netflix or you can read books. Hmm. You can binge watch Hulu shows or you can read books. And and so I just find it's always going to be more uh, impactful long-term by reading books. So here's how I read books. I've learned this in seminary and I just kept that discipline all the way through even to today. So when most people finish their degrees, they threw in the tower and they said, I'm done. I decided, no, I'm just going to continue that, that, that kind of regimen. Now, let me just teach you how to read a book. Okay. There are certain basic uh, understanding, your understanding of how to read a book. Mm-hmm. You should always read a book with a highlighter and a pen. Mm-hmm. Always. I know this seems basic, but the reason you're always reading book with a highlighter and a pen is because you're always going to be writing things in the margin and highlighting important things. So the way I highlight is anything that kind of jumps off the page or anything that speaks to me, anything I can teach someone, I highlight. Anytime there's something that causes me to think or I'm pondering an insight or it causes me to meditate, I will write the words that I'm thinking at that moment. You cannot do this after you will forget. People have asked me this and I may do a podcast on this. How have you written two books a year for the past 11 years every year? It's pretty crazy. I know full-time authors, not personally, but I know of them who haven't written that many books. (laughs) They make a living as an author and they have not written that many books. Well, and I'm not saying this to boast of me because I love to write, so it's not like it's a labor of luck. I'm just saying I have a discipline. When you have a process, it's very easy to, to put out certain mm-hmm. things. It's like an assembly line. We may, may want to share that process. We may uh, want to share that process. With that you that process is gold, though. 
Why would I want to sit down play it? I'll share that. Maybe we'll share that next time. I'll Maybe our process. next podcast will be how to write a book in your spare time. Yeah, because people may write – you may come through this season and write a book. Praise God. I'll teach, you, I'll teach you how I did it. Uh, but let's just talk about reading because the reading yep. is the research phase of the writing. So I write insights in the margin. Okay. The reason I'm able to output books is because I have an input of reading. So for one book that I write, I normally read anywhere from 35 to 50 books, depending on the topic. Okay. So you got to wow. have that much input to produce that output of a 55, 65,000 word uh, manuscript. So okay? you're reading book after book after book with a little bit of intentionality, maybe a lot of intentionality as to, I'm not just going to read this for fun, even though that it may be fun, but yeah. knowing that I'm going to use this information in some way, whether it be in a future sermon, as an illustration, to bolster your own understanding, but then potentially as uh, a citation in a book that you may write. Yeah, now that brings us to the third thing. The third thing I do is not only, not only do I have a highlighter in hand, not only am I writing in the margin, and if you could see, if we had a video, I could show you, and I'm showing you guys now what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. But the third thing you want to do is earmark the pages. Mm -hmm. So when I'm earmarking pages, this is something I want to come back to in a book, okay? And so when you go through books, and Jonathan's helping me work through a new idea I have for a book, uh, connecting the Old and New Testament, and he's seeing books that I'm handing him with yeah. this, and he can attest to this right now, but he's seeing all of this kind of played out. Now, here's what you do. At the back of the book, here's the key. Mm -hmm. When you finish reading a book, you want to write some of the high points from the book in the back of the book so that you go That's back good. to it later. So you can say, this talked about, like this book I'm reading now is about the Enneagram. Okay, a Christian perspective on the Enneagram, which is something I've been studying lately. So what I'm doing in the back of this book when I finish the book is I'm writing insights about my Enneagram number. I'm writing insights that I learned from the book. I'm writing things that I may want to talk about with my staff. I'm writing insights I might want to share with my, my wife or my kids. Okay, mm. now you read through the book. Now, I'm not actually, don't miss this, reading the entire book, every word for word, page for page, slowly. Okay. Now, I may do that on some of the books I read. Most of the books I'm reading, I'm reading at a faster pace. There's no way you can read two to three books a week if yeah. you're taking your time reading 10 pages a day. Um, I read on average, and, and obviously I worked up to this, on average 40 to 45 pages an hour. Wow. On average, about 40 an hour. If I get quiet and I can get alone. Now, you're probably saying, how can you read that fast? It's because I'm not, I'm not reading like this. So how does one try to hear the deeper voice? When God speaks, it is first profoundly. Now, I'm not reading like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Another thing, and this is a big tip I learned years ago, and this is a really good one to think about. If you start a book and if you buy a book mm -hmm. and the book is bad after the first chapter, another thing you should do is always read the introduction. Let me just tell you, some of you who've never read books before, some of you young folks are laughing like Mr. Jonathan Simon. Do not <laughs> skip the introduction, Jonathan. The introduction is going to tell you if the book is worth reading. Mm. In fact, a good introduction will share a little bit about the, the reason for the book, the premise, and then it'll share the outline of the book. And sometimes I've read the introduction and went right to what I want to learn. 
because I'm not interested in fluff and insight and background stuff. All that stuff's good, personal stuff, all that's good. But I want to know what the premise and, and, and the thesis of the book is, and I want to kind of pull from that. So that's one insight. Here's a second insight, and this is a big one. If you start reading a book and the book is not good, or it's written poorly, or it's not what you thought it would be, which happened yeah. recently. I bought two books and a set. I thought it was going to be really good about some Jewish insights. I was learning. Jonathan's laughing. He knows about this. <laughs> and I read about, about what, 30 pages in the book, and I realized this was way off, and it's not what I expected. So here's the thing. Even if you paid for the book, stop reading the book. Don't feel you feel the pull of the law of reciprocity or the law of investment, meaning you invested the money. So you feel like you have to finish the book. Mm -hmm. Don't read a bad book, put the book down and start on to something else. Remember your time is valuable. So yeah. you want to read and, and you want to, and you want to learn. Now here's the final thing and we'll be done. The final thing is you're not reading for yourself. Mm. Learning is always meant to be shared. This yeah. is what I want you to get. Information is a stewardship obligation. Okay. What do I mean there? I mean, just like when you and I, I, I really believe this. When we stand before the Lord Jesus as Christians, he is going to give us a full IRS accounting chart. I don't know how we're going to pro project it of how much money he gave us financially, not just time and talents, but money and how we spent that money for his kingdom. Or did we spend that money on ourselves? Okay. And I really believe this. And the reason I believe this is we're going to come with our, with our, with our works and there, some are going to be burnt up gold, silver, and, and precious gems, some wood, clay, and stubble. And he's going to bring up on us this accountability accounting chart of all the, all the money that was given to us and how we spent it either for ourselves or for his kingdom. Matthew 6, 1 says, beware of practicing your righteousness before others so that they may see your good works. Because if you do, you will already have your reward and you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. So we need to be spending our works for the Lord. Now watch this. Not only is money a stewardship issue, I believe information will be a point of question. Mm -hmm. I believe the Lord's going to say to us or ask us, how well did you in the presence of many witnesses, don't miss this, entrust to faithful men what was given to you also? Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2. How well did you steward or pass on the information you had? Remember, every Christian should be a channel of blessing, mm -hmm. not a cistern of truth. What I mean is you shouldn't be a container of truth that gets filled with one input, no output. We should all be like the Jordan River in a sense where information flows in and flows out to other people. That is good, and that's where we need to wrap up. Great insights on how to continue to develop as a leader, even when you're stuck at home. And uh, what a great idea to to take those notes. I know I've gotten several textbooks when I was in seminary, uh, and even in my undergrad. And and uh, the notes were and the books were highlighted or underlined. And I thought, wow, this makes studying a lot easier when I know what's <laughs> going to be on the test. But think of the intentionality of that was randomly happening from students who owned a book before me. This is the intentionality of knowing I want to pass this on to a child, to a friend, to another disciple. So thanks for joining us. As always, if you wouldn't mind, uh, text someone right now and tell them about the podcast. Tell them where to get it. And uh, if you can, take the opportunity to give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.